Hey guys, we have exciting news. You know how you always wanted some 2NGB merch? Well, today's your lucky day because we have a new merch store. Yes! So go to 2NGB.com merch and buy one of the amazing coffee mugs we have there. BDS Tears mug, nice Jewish boy mug, and nice Jewish girl mug. It's a great way to support a show and own a mug that undoubtedly will be worth thousands of dollars on eBay when we're dead. So go to 2ngb.com slash merch and buy a mug. Thank you. Enjoy the show. This is Eitan Weinstein. And I'm Naor Menninger. And you're listening to Two Nice Jewish Boys. In collaboration with Australian Jewish News, check them out at ajn.timesofisrael.com. Also in collaboration with Arutz Sheva, IsraelNationalNews.com. For so many, the Arab-Israeli world is a mystery. Even in Israel, where we live side by side with Arab-Israelis, it's a foreign culture to us, non-Arabs. We read about it in the news, we see it depicted in the movies and on television, and we hear it talked about endlessly. But we don't really know what it's like. Probably the only part of their culture some of us know fairly well is Arab food. Shawarma, knafe, masabaha, the list goes on and on and on, and it's a good list, too. But other parts of Arab-Israeli culture are alien to us. For example, what is it like to study in an Arab academic institution? Well, our guest today might just have some insight. Avi Shalev served in military intelligence and the civil administration in Judea and Samaria and the Gaza Strip for 24 years. And then he had what some might call a crazy idea. He wanted to obtain a teaching certificate in order to teach Arabic in schools, and he decided to do it in Al-Qasemi College, a Sufi Muslim academic institution in Baqa al-Garbiya, an Arab village along the border with the West Bank. Avi wanted to cross the imaginary lines that divide Jewish and Arab Israelis and try to understand what life is like on the other side. Avi documented his experiences in his new book, Al-Qasemi Journal, or Yoman Al-Qasemi in Hebrew, and he joins us today to share his experience. We are thrilled to have Avi Shalev on the podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, guys. So uh, you made it out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Amazingly. That's probably what most people, I mean, do a lot of people find it surprising that, you know, or do they react as if it's a dangerous thing to do? Yes. I mean, um, the initial reactions was were... Um, you know, amazement. I mean, you must be crazy. Um, because it's dangerous, or you must be crazy because why would you just, why would you want to do it? Because it's such an, you know, unusual um, thing to do. Never mind being a, an ex military guy, yeah. a, a lieutenant colonel in the army, retired. Um, it's, it's um, you know, a very strange thing to do for an Israeli to go and study. In an Arab college, in fact, to the best of my knowledge, I'm the first student there ever. So, I mean, they were also surprised that mm-hmm. I was interested, but um, it turned out an, an incredible experience. So, they said yes immediately. Um, 
Well, it was a process. It was a process. Um, I kind of applied. I came over. They said there's some tests you have to undergo to kind of see how your Arabic level is because it's an Arabic-speaking college. And um, after I passed the tests, they, um, they accepted me. And not before the president of the college invited me for a meeting just to see, um, you know, who the hell is this guy. But generally speaking, um, they were very welcoming. So, in fact, they said that um, um, they've been operating for 30, 40 years and uh, they've always hoped to have a Jewish student there. And uh, if you have uh, inquired, but no one has ever actually registered himself. Obviously, there's a language barrier and other issues. So I was the first one who actually uh, registered myself and um, and appeared in class. So, uh, yes. Is there any, uh, going back to my original question, is there any actual reason to feel unsafe, to feel like it's dangerous, or, or is that just probably uh, um, an illusion that some Israelis hold? Um. You know, that's a difficult question. I, in my experience, I studied there for two years. And in my experience, I, I never encountered an issue. Um, but this is not to say that everything is calm. I mean, there's a lot of crime, and crime is a big issue in the in Arab towns these days, and everyone's talking about it. Um, so even during my studies, there were, you know, reports of crime um, and um, I've never felt it in class or in college, and the town so- seems to me like a very peaceful town. But there, um, I mean, there are legitimate fears, uh, and mm-hmm. I think Israelis are, um, and this is one of the reasons I went there, is that they have um, this image um, of Arab towns. Uh, which is, you know, strongly entrenched in in this, you know, security um, outlook at the uh, the Arab uh, sector, and so um, a lot of people are, you know, a lot of people that I tell them about my experience, they say, you know, I wouldn't even go in, mm-hmm. you know, for a lunch or for a meeting. I I wouldn't feel safe, but I felt very safe. It's safe to say that, uh, you know, Israeli Arabs study in the Jewish universities all the time. Oh, absolutely. Tel Aviv University, Hebrew University. Haifa University. But also you you began your studies in 2018, if I'm not wrong. Yes, correct. And I mean, you know, I guess there's no really necessarily calm time in Israel, but it's, I guess, relatively calm because it wasn't during an operation but i think if anybody was considering going to do that in 2021 right Mm. or in 2020 then it would have been a bit of a bit different yes although you know there were weekends um which were not calm uh, in israel Mm -hmm. and on the gaza border in the west bank and um there was a week on the two i didn't go to school because i wasn't sure i wasn't sure how things would develop um, during the time um, President Trump uh, made the announcement about the mm. moving the embassy and those eventual you know subsequently those, those um, the opening of the embassy 
And that was a very bloody day on the Gaza border. I think about 50 Palestinians uh, killed on the bar uh, Gaza border. So, you know, things can develop, things can happen. You never know when it's going to happen. And there was uh, what they call a general mourning, three days of mourning in the Arab towns, uh, you know, a type of a strike. So this is not to say that uh, this was an, you know, completely ordinary situation. But as far as I was concerned, that was the best I could get. Yeah. Um, because I was, I have this dream about studying in an Arab um, university for many years. Um, when did that dream start <laughs> and why? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, perhaps this, um, to kind of um, describe this, you have to go a little bit back in history. I was um, I served in the military for 24 years, and um, the last 18 years I was in the civil administration. And there I... You need to explain what that is. Okay. So the civil administration is an army unit, which falls under the um, auspices of the um, MOD, the Ministry of Defense and is responsible for the um, civilian life uh, of Palestinians and Israelis in Area C, in the West Bank, and also the coordination, both security and civilian coordination with the Palestinian Authority and the Palestinian population. So it has um, a very significant role in the West Bank and also significant role in um, relationships with the um, population in the Gaza Strip. And I served there in many different um, um, missions and, and um, fields. And I, um, under my command, served a few, um, quite a few American and Canadian Jews who immigrated to Israel and joined the military, who actually studied Middle Eastern studies. They did their undergraduate, some of them did their masters in Islamic or Middle Eastern studies, mm. and part of their study or part of their program allowed them to study in Arab universities, in Damascus, in Amman, in Cairo, and I was just amazed with that because you know they came to Israel, they joined the army, and obviously they spoke good Arabic, and I was very happy with their with their service. But just the idea of them studying in an Arabic university just blew my mind. And ever since then, I thought to myself, that would be the most amazing thing I could do after I left the army. Um, study in uh, Jordan, study in Egypt. Uh, I mean, obviously, this is just a dream. I mean, I, I realize... For most people, a nightmare. <laughs> but <laughs> Yes, I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, just not workable. I mean, I'm yeah. married, I have kids, I'd be an ex, um, you know, the lieutenant colonel in the army. I... I couldn't possibly do yeah, that yeah. but the idea of of studying there um kind of really excited me um studying in an arab environment in an arab university that was just a, a type of a fantasy i suppose every person has his own fantasies that was my fantasy and so um looking you know when i realized i was going to retire soon um i was looking for something close to that and i was thinking perhaps i could um i could join um i could do 
you know, I could study in a Palestinian university in Jerusalem or, um, and uh, eventually I realized, I mean, I was looking into um, Al-Quds University. Al-Quds University has a, a campus in, uh, in uh, the old city which offers an MA in Jerusalemite studies mm-hmm. in Arabic. And it's um, obviously Jerusalem's Jerusalemite studies. It's an MA from the Palestinian Arab Islamic narrative. And that I found, you know, fascinating. But um, it is situated in the old city and in the Muslim quarter. And uh, at the time, um, there were a lot of... Um, issues in East Jerusalem and uh, in the old city, a lot of stabbings. And, you know, I realized that just wasn't wasn't going to work out for me. So when I heard about El Qasimi, um, which is an Arab college in Israel, it gives an undergraduate a BA in education and an MA in, in, in education. Um, and also so that's it, the, the only degree or can you do other degrees there as well? Well, it's a degree in education today. They give a BA or an MA in education and also a teacher's diploma. Um, they are trying to extend that um, to other fields and also get recognition as a university, uh, which would be the first Arab university in Israel. Um, and there are, um, there are the prominent college, Arab college uh, in Israel. In other words, there are two more, one in Sakhnin which is also a teacher's um, college, and one in Haifa, also an Arab teacher's college. Uh, now, it's a, it's, a, it's a Sufi stream, right? Correct. So, so this is a completely different like sect in Islam. Well, first of all, it's, it's a religious institution. It grew from um, uh, basically a religious school for Qadis into... Uh, an education college and then giving a BA and then grew into an MA so it's developing can you give us like a sentence of what does that mean are there prayers on a daily basis well there's a mosque mm-hmm. um, in in the college it's a religious um, I think the atmosphere uh, is religious there's the religious studies there um, but aren't the Sufis like more peaceful peace-seeking Minority so, yes, in Islam? Well, the Sufis are a, a sect or um, a, a stream or a, a school of thought uh, who are more concentrated in the um, uh, spiritual um, and uh, so the spiritual um um, school, um, mystical school of Islam. Um, if I would compare it, it's like the Kabbalistic lo- um, outlook. And so they are more uh, concerned or focused on um, the internal journey of a person and less uh, with political Islamic um, doctrine. But all Muslims come to this. No, it's actually uh, Sufi Islam is not a very popular or not a very um, no, well known. It means all, all Muslims come to this uh, institution. This, this institution. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So not all students are Sufis necessarily. Because most of Palestinians aren't Sufis. Like Correct. It's a in very fact, tiny minority. In fact, in my group of students, I uh, it, it struck me that very few are engaged with Sufi thought or Sufi right. practice. Okay. 
Um, and for them, it was just um, um, another facet or another uh, school that they were introduced to. But uh, none of them were practicing Sufis or... So can you describe like the first week <clears throat> at the university? What, what surprised you? What kind of people did you meet there? How were you accepted? Well, well um, I must say I, I, I kind of joined... I, I went to, first of all, let me tell you that it's a, a week or two before my, um, uh, the, the academic year began, I realized that um, we were studying on the weekends, Friday, Saturday, mm. which was a big surprise for me. I did not realize, first of all, that anybody would be studying on a, on a Friday and a Saturday. So this was a special program. Um, set up for um, people doing a diploma um, and um, it was done during the weekend so for most working people correct so mm -hmm. most students yeah. doing their BA and MA were, were taking their studies from Sunday to Thursday and we would come on the Friday Saturday so this was first of all a big shock for me because I wasn't prepared for that nor did I have any idea that that was going to happen I kind of missed that out completely <laughs> when I registered um, and so the group that was I was in a group of mostly um, I'm sure your wife was happy you told us you have four kids so yes being along with them for the entire weekend for yes, this two was, years. This was quite a crisis that I had to, <laughs> to get through. He, um, he didn't know about it. <laughs> um, the truth is it was, um, it was a real crisis at home. Um, I was, um, um, you know, I have a, I got a shul during Shabbat. And so I, I wasn't planning on this, uh, you aren't religious, though. Right? I'm. I was, You're not. A, a I'm not orthodox. Highly but observant. I, yeah, yeah. I go to synagogue on Shabbat. Yeah. I have a community, and so this was um, quite a change of uh, event, or quite a um, let's say a, a surprise uh, for me. I wasn't um, planning on this, and uh, but still, I think it, it, it was such a. As far as I'm concerned, you know, such a, an opportunity to cross the lines for the first time uh, and do something different and study with Arabs in Arabic. Uh, that the um, you know my passion was there and and I it decided to hold you back. Yeah, so I decided I would um, sacrifice. I would sacrifice two years doing this, and this wasn't easy. I mean, this is it's tough. Um, so I, I basically spent two days a week studying, another day in school, um, doing my practice. Um, and so, um, uh, and I basically joined a group of students that were, um, some came from the Negev, or Bedouins, and some came from the north of Israel, from the, what we call the Meshulash, okay, the um, uh, students who came from the north. All of them, well, most of them, um, did their schooling, their undergraduate, in Hebron University, and in uh, in the in the Northern West Bank. Men, women, mostly women. Mm -hmm. How come? 
Well, education is, uh, you know, um, is mostly, uh, you know, the Female slot dominated, dominated by mm-hmm. women. Uh, you'll see that in all schools, even Israeli schools. Um, for whatever reasons, pay or status or I don't know what, but education is, is mainly dominated by women. And so I was, you know, one of the very few men who were in the program. Um, so this was a big challenge because I was joining a group. Um, some of these students didn't even speak Hebrew well because they, you know, they went through the education in Arab schools and then they spent their time in West Bank universities doing their undergraduate. Um, and uh, and so we met, you know, uh, um, during the weekends. Um, and so this uh, this was a very uh, this was a very different experience. Um, so what like hit you first? Surprised you, hit you, and shocked you? <laughs> well, I think th- you know the the. Col- you, I just have to 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 say you supposedly know the Arabs. Like that. Yes. You, your job for 25 years was knowing the Arabs. There aren't many Israelis who supposedly know the Arabs like you do, right? So that's, in theory... In theory, that's, that's correct. Um, in theory, my job for many years was to try and understand Arabs. And I learned Arabic. I, I spoke the, um, you know, the Palestinian dialect. And, um, but... I suppose the difference is that um, the military has a different perspective on life. It has a different focus, and it looks at different things. Uh, obviously, the military has to supply security; that's its job. And um, and so, when you you know you work for a military apparatus, you look for different issues. Um, this was the first time, really, that I was. Um, First of all, as a civilian, as an equal, I wasn't an officer, I wasn't in charge, and in many ways I was in a great disadvantage because um, my Arabic wasn't as good as theirs, obviously, and um, I needed their help uh, with a lot of things. Um, just getting through the work, you know, doing assignments together, it's, um, it's a huge challenge. For me, academically, Um, it it was an incredible challenge. I mean, I was used to reading newspapers and all sorts of reports, but um, you know, reading hundreds of pages of of literature and uh, uh, analysis of literature and poetry and um, um, you know um, um, essays about sociology and psychology and and this was. You know, this was a dream come true in a sense, but incredibly, incredibly challenging. But give us some juice. Like, wh- what were the students saying about you? What were the teachers saying? They certainly saying? Saw, thought at some point there must have been a student that thought you were Mossad or Shabak or something undercover, no? You know, the, the truth is, um, I, I, I mean, I was told that uh, initially I was, um, it was kind of uh, stressful for both sides, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> um, They couldn't understand what I was doing there. Um, and they asked me a few times, why are you here? Why aren't you studying Tel Aviv? Why aren't you studying in the Hebrew universities? I mean, what made you look for this program? 
And um, I, for me, it was obvious. For me, studying in El Qasimi was, you know, a dream come true. Not only because I'm crazy, because this is, you know, the, the most, I think, the, the greatest challenge an Israeli can have. And uh, frankly, I, I don't understand why so many Israelis, and there are hundreds that go and study Middle Eastern studies and Arabic in Israeli universities in Hebrew, when El Qasim is right there. So, um, in fact, you know, I, I asked myself many times, how is it even theoretically possible that I'm the first Israeli who's registered there and gone to study there? Because, you know, if this is what you're interested in, this is the place where you should be. But they don't, they don't have a degree in Middle Eastern studies, right? They don't. But, you know, uh, Islamic studies, uh, Arabic, Arabic literature, education um so yeah i i don't really have an answer for that uh but uh for me it was uh, uh the, the answer was, yeah, yeah the answer was obvious i mean this was the best place to study arabic and education was there a conflict or at first in the first uh, no no i think initially there was a lot of reservations they couldn't work out what i was doing there and um but after a while, I think um, they were incredibly nice and friendly and helpful because, uh, you know, um, uh, academically it was kind of challenging, a lot of work, and uh, a lot of work was done in groups, I would join groups, and, um, and in many ways it was, you know, I, I felt very welcome there. So it was a, a great experience, and frankly, you know, if I would would have to recommend anybody who's interested in doing something like that. I would say that would be a, a great place to 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 do it. Um, so tell us a bit about the book. So what do you document in the book? You document sort of your experiences throughout the whole time. How long was it? A year or two years? Well, the program was a year and a half. I did another semester, uh, so I did. I studied there for two uh, two years. Um, and in the book, you Initial, documented. I, I I did not join. You know, I did not join the college in order to write a book. I mean, that was not the plan. Um, I would come home. You know, Friday night, Saturday night, so the study would be from eight to about six or seven in the evening. I'd get home at about eight nine, and um, I'd have so many stories to tell and so many. You know, occurrences and so many things to um, to tell my friends and family and you know that would be so interesting for them uh, you know after a few we weeks I thought you know what let me just write that down because this is really interesting and so I started just documenting my you know my experiences even you know just the you know the the you know the process of being acclimatized into an Islamic an Arab yeah, you know, environment. Uh, just just getting used to the, um, you know, the muazin, um, um, you know, and and the Ramadan and the and the festivals and just getting used to the environment. Mm -hmm. um, and so this was a process of just writing it down. And you know, I would what write. was the like first 
story or the first occurrence that you think that you recall writing down that you're just like, I have to put this down on paper? Well, I mean, the first thing that amazed me, for example, is the um, the language, the language in the college. Um, I mean, I was, you know, I, I came to college the first day and I was given the um, curriculum and the timetable and I saw it was in Hebrew and I thought, oh no, we've started, they're giving me, you know, um, everything in Hebrew so they, you know, they're not treating me equally, they're, they're trying to make it easy for me, this is unacceptable. And then I realized, no, the entire system is in Hebrew. So the computer system is in Hebrew and everyone's going through this in Hebrew. And um, it's a challenge for some of the students who don't speak Hebrew. And the language, the dialect, the mix of Hebrew and Arabic together. So, I mean, um, this has been described by some as Arvarit, Hebrew, Arabic. So, you know, the language of students um, is mixed Hebrew, Arabic. Mm -hmm. um, the language we study in especially the literature, is classical Arabic. And so there's a really interesting mix there. Um, you Did know, that become like a currency for you? Like, here, I'll help you read your curriculum if you... Well, uh, most, most of the curriculum is in, in Arabic. In fact, you know, practically everything is in Arabic. Mm -hmm. But Most uh, of the content. The content mean. is all in Arabic, yeah. yeah. But... Um, but the schedule, the itinerary, or whatever is uh, yeah. Right? So the framework, the system, the the computer system is um, is in Hebrew, and um, basically what what struck me is is quite uh, unbelievable is the oh, oh, is the how much Hebrew is very much part of the language. In other words, it has um, how many Hebrew words have seeped into the you know general discourse mm -hmm. so you would you would um you talk in arabic but you would fit so many hebrew words it fill mazgan close the mazgan so you know it's it's quite incredible how much the influence of yeah. the hebrew language has it's kind of like on english people. and hebrew yeah right i mean we um, use uh Television, Televisia, but even and now even more in like Tel Aviv, there's the jargon of using like uh, yeah, but that's happening English all over words. the world, right? Yeah. English infiltrated all languages, correct? Yeah, but here it's uh, it's something a bit different, I think. I, I think it's more profound in the um, in the Arab Israeli community. In other words, um, you know, you would find that also in the West Bank. Okay, a lot of Hebrew words are seeping in. Besides, that's but, the language of the enemy. I'm doing the air quotes, but right, it's different than English and Hebrew. Here, mm -hmm. you adopt the language of your, as they see it, occupier. Correct. Which um, doesn't make sense, but but this is stronger than, I guess, politics even. Absolutely, but and this is a lingua franca, and 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 when you hear that, you see that, you realize how much influence Israel has on. Uh, Arabs and Arab communities where this is seeping into language and in fact one of the great challenges of the college is to basically try and strengthen uh, the Arabic uh, so that um, you know Arabic teachers stick to the classical Arabic and are well grounded in classical Arabic because 
Hebrew is seeping in, uh, especially into the discourse. Um, so th this was quite uh, a surprise for me. Um, Did you find any anything surprising in the, in the content of their day-to-day -day discussions, what they talk about, how different it is than what we talk about maybe on our day-to-day? -day? Or is it the same? I think I found college life um, kind of very pragmatic. People there are kind of very dedicated to get their diploma degree. So if I was hoping to be like introduce into a very kind of vivid and interesting exciting political um, let's say um, milieu or political discussions I found very little of that mm -hmm. um, I don't know why um, past because it's a college and it's a very practical kind of uh, degree um, but um, there's very little political discussion, very little, um, you know, type of discussions you would hope or expect to listen to, uh, political activism. In fact, people were very pragmatic, very practical. They were very keen on getting their diplomas and getting jobs. And um, there was, in fact, you know, I, I remember um, noticing that even during the height of events, um, you know, in the Gaza Strip or the West Bank, there'd be very little uh, influence over the mood and over the discussion. And um, I think we didn't. That, yeah, yeah. That that kind of a surprised me. We didn't clarify that only Israeli Arabs, correct me if I'm wrong, are correct. coming to study there. Correct. So Ara Palestinians, Arabs from the West Bank, they cannot come to study there. This is an Israeli Arab college. Mm -hmm. Um, in Bak el Garbia, so it's a, basically a, an Arab-Israeli town, and um, and so yes, so the students are all Arab-Israelis. It's not a, it's not impossible though for a Palestinian to get a, a passport, like a um, a visa or whatever. But they don't, they don't they don't get it. And um, okay. in fact, um, this is something very interesting which I, I've learned. Um, most I've told you most of the students there have studied their undergraduate in the West Bank. Mm -hmm. So it's cheaper there. Um, many of these universities are well accepted in Israel, so you can graduate from them and get recognition. Um, they don't require the psychometry exam. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, in, so in a sense, it's much more convenient. And they also have programs for Arab Israelis to study there over weekends. And so a lot of Arab Israeli students would work during the week and would study during the weekend and that would be for them so so i imagine that you were significantly not significantly but older than the average i mean especially because many arab israelis don't uh draft to the military so met, the average age there was probably 19 20 21 and you were well there 40? were 40 yeah um Something 45 like so yeah so I would say most of them were in their 20s. Okay. Uh, all with undergraduate degrees. So they, let's say, would study from 18 to 21, 22. And then they would join the college at the age of 22, 3, 4. Um, so, yes, there was a gap. And 
so socially was there did you manage to kind of get along make friends was there some kind of was there a relate like a, a meaningful relationship that you developed with someone in uh, um, Al-Qasimi not look I think that's a very sensitive point because at the end of the day we're talking about an Islamic Arab society and um, mm-hmm. I'm a man there are women so I I kind of was very I see. um um respectful of respectful and and well, you um, can find yourself in a ditch you know well they will find them it's yeah. it's <laughs> just i think when you go and study in a in an environment like that uh you have to respect the culture and it's in a way far more conservative culture than ours and so i had many friends uh, many interactions but it's um you know um uh, A different type of scene that you would find was in, there uh, no were there no men studying other than you studying the very few so there were a few men in different courses doing um their you know completing their uh, diploma but i was pretty much um the only one uh, did you ever tell them what you did in the military no no i didn't share that information i thought uh <laughs> I thought that that would complicate the situation and uh, I can see how <laughs> <laughs> and uh the truth is i um you know i I served for twenty four years in the military i I enjoyed it, I liked it, I think it was a great service um and um because to them you are the the actual embodiment of the occupation. Of, yeah exactly i i don't I don't know. I don't know how to, um, I'm not sure um, I think uh, it's complicated also on their side um, the truth is it's 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 sensitive so I didn't feel comfortable enough to share and you would end in a ditch so I don't think so I don't think <laughs> not so everything ends in a ditch. <laughs> not everything ends so dramatically there, uh, here but um, I, they didn't ask And I didn't tell okay. so uh, <laughs> we kind of you know it's it's well known that all Ask men me no questions and I'll tell you a no well-known military policy yes, <laughs> yes. you know uh, Arabs know that Israeli Jews do their military yeah. so there's no surprise that we all go to the military but if we can get a bit political I must wonder that there's this cliche also that you know all the chief of staffs and all the people who graduate the IDF after a career many of them become lefties Um, and I can't help but wonder if that experience um, maybe highlighted uh, a regret or remorse in you um, in your career like is there yeah I, I personally don't agree with you I don't think that is the case that's the cliche yeah here I, in Israel. I, I, I don't think that it, that is the case in fact um, I think the Israeli population has become over the years more and more conservative and the population yeah And yeah I think uh, the same goes for the military as a representation of people go in and out um, I think mo I think most of the uh, I, I I could see it I entered the military with very I would say with left-wing uh, ideas and I came out with more conservative mm-hmm. ideas I think like many Israelis I um, um, I was very surprised with the outcome of the Oslo agreement I didn't imagine it to um, to go fail so to fail so dismally and to yeah. end up with so little results 
Um, so um, I, I wouldn't agree with you. And, you know, a lot of people are very cautious about the their outlook about the Middle East. About but did the this situation. experience have imp like uh, implemented some doubts in you about your past? I think. I think what I've gained from the experience in that respect is a, a deeper understanding that there are there are very significant cultural differences between Israelis and and Arabs. And this is not this cannot necessarily be bridged by investments or economic solutions or jobs. Um, Arab and Israelis are very different in many ways. They see the world very differently. And um, I think objectively, when you look at the Arab society in the Arab world, there, the Arab world is um, going through a very difficult period. Arab society, also in Israel, is, um, is going through a crisis, an identity crisis. And uh, it's not only an economic issue. So in other words, if, if I used to think, or many used to think that um, investing in roads and buildings and you know infrastructure would change dramatically the um, the outcome um, I, I think today we at least I see things um, as being um, more complicated than that and um, I could see that in the college as well in other words Israelis and Arabs are very different they have a different outlook uh, on life um, and so um, it, it's not a question it's not even a territorial issue or an economic issue it's um, we are very different and we have to find a way to work these things out and I'm not sure anyone has a good solution as how to work these things out in other words how do you deal with a crime wave in the Arab society uh, today in Israel, I mean, it's it's clearly a problem, and um, you know, during uh, my study there, there were a few women uh, that were murdered from um, the community, and there was even a like a days of mourning. So there are real issues there, um, but it's not only uh, a question of the number of policemen that we have on the ground. It's it's deep cultural issues. And a change of perspective and, uh, and leadership, um, and how you know how that can be done. How can this situation be turned around? Um, I think it's a big question. And uh, at least from my perspective, what I've gained from my experience is that it's not only a question of investment or infrastructure. It's um, there are big issues here. And uh, I thought we were going to solve everything today, <laughs> but you should have realized that's not happening 200 episodes ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, so w were there any encounters uh, with teachers that struck you or, or I guess educational uh, experiences that struck you as kind of peculiar, maybe content that was being uh, taught that was... You know, I guess maybe because it's a Sufi institution, less so. But you know, were there Islamic? Uh, ide was there Islamic ideology that was being kind of passed down with the educational uh, curriculum? 
the truth is that the the answer is is the absolute opposite in other words if i was hoping to see you know the type of things that you were talking about i mean there are uh, elements of that there were discussions there that i was quite surprised and quite amazed at the the positions people held and expressed there um, for example well um you know the issues of the the, the nakba and the, the the history i mean obviously these are very very sensitive issues and um often when you hear positions which are my guess are, are kind of widely head held by people that um question the legitimacy uh, of israel or uh, obviously see uh, the history in very differently um but what struck me even more is that it's not debated in a way that i would ex in other words it's, it it doesn't it's not discussed so much you know it's, it is as as if it is not there in other words the, the campus is not exactly the type of campus that i remember from my studies in south africa I, I did my undergraduate in Fitz University. I mean, campus was wild. I mean, you know, I did my... Place for ideas, for thoughts, for... Discussions and, and, mm -hmm. and you know, debates and, um, and radical ideas being thrown out. No and, debate club is what you're saying. There's well, no debate Well, it club. was far less... Um, you know, it, it just didn't have the vibe. Um, a lot of, I, my guess is that a lot of these issues are considered so sensitive that they're not discussed and a lot of these poems and and stories and, and novels that we've discussed from a the, you know as as um um were were not analyzed from a political perspective so they were analyzed from all other perspectives religious perspectives psychological perspective perspective educational perspectives but politics is very absent there. So if when, but you're saying when in fact the poem or the piece of literature is very political is in very nature, political. Ah, okay. very political in nature. So there was a sort of sense of so, indoctrination. Well, it's not indoctrination. It's in a sense trying to um, avoid sensitive issues, trying to avoid uh, possibly explosive uh, issues. Um, so we would study. You know the best of uh, Palestinian literature. Hassan uh, Kanafani, who was a member of the um, um, political terrorist group that was um, killed by Israeli commandos, uh, supposedly, or he was involved in the uh, massacre in uh, in Ben Gurion, mm. uh, in Lod Airport. Um, he was a a with great, the Japanese. Correct. He was a great poet and um, a, a very uh, um, famous um, um, writer. Uh, he produced a lot of um, um, uh, stories, short stories for kids. So mm -hmm. there are many, many, you know, poems and, and, and short stories and, and, um, and uh, literary um, uh, material that we discussed in class and we learned from many different aspects but not political so is that because you know it's a sensitive issue is that because the college isn't interested in you know developing this um is that because people are not really 
interested in that i don't know but were they political because the the author was political in nature sure. or was it political was it were you reading a poem that says you know that the line is and on the nakba israel uh, you know murdered our children and took no, our land no, or whatever no, and no, no. and then you it, were like oh look at the meter here no, in the no. poem we're talking about <laughs> or poetry and stories that have political symbolic um context contact yeah. oh my beloved uh, homeland one day i shall free you not at all that no? is far more complicated far more uh, okay so i suppose you can you can analyze these poems and these stories from many different perspectives but they're clearly political mm-hmm. uh, and so if you ask me you know did i find that uh no i i was actually amazed i would come to school i would come to college and to class hoping that there would be this very fiery discussion about um these topics uh, what, what you know these are poems and stories written 20 30 40 years ago with a vision and we can look back now and analyze what happened and yet there's there's no appetite for that so you know that is a big question is, is there no appetite because But I'm still trying to understand what what these po- can you give us an example of a poem that was the most political that you think was ignored? Well, there's this you know I gave a, an example of Rasan um, Kanafani. Mm-hmm. There is a story about the little candle uh, or, or candlelight, uh, which is a story told about a girl whose um, whose father died and. Um, leaves her with this vision of or this offer to take over his position only if she can bring in the light into the castle and so she has to find a way how to bring in the light into the castle and eventually she finds out the way to do it is to break through the walls and allow the light into the castle and um, this is clearly you know a story a symbolic story written by Kanafani about the idea of the Palestinians going back to their homeland and breaking through the wall and uh, returning and retaking what is theirs and you know so you know interpreted as a, a story about um you know um, um leaderships of girls or, or, or um, um girls taking you know uh, their position in society and being able to lead Uh, and the ability to to communicate with the community and draw the community but this is surprising because you know anybody who read that 20 30 years ago would know that this is clearly the story or the vision of you know of uh, of the return and and it's 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 not discussed now as far as i was concerned i was hoping that would be discussed because that is the interesting part uh and it's also interesting to know how you know young students see that did you not try and raise it well that's a, that, it? you know that's a that's a real that's a really good question because i was i thought to myself that if i intervene and we um, know what raise, will happen well what will happen is that i will change the discourse ah, yeah and i was interested to you observe. know in many ways observe the mm. discourse and not dictate the discourse and obviously I'm not a neutral element here mm. and so if I would intervene that would you know that would develop in a way that is not ne- necessarily the right 
or the natural um, development. So could it be that they didn't discuss it because you were there? It's possible. I all, you know, I wondered if that is a possibility. Um, it's possible. I mean, um, in a sense, I was a foreign element there and I was, you know, an Israeli sitting in a class and, um, and studying with a group of Palestinians. So it's, it's kind of awkward sometimes. Yeah. Um, especially when you deal with criticism of the system, your own system, your own values. It's, you know, it's, it might be a bit awkward. So I was, um, you know, in that sense, I was trying to be as, uh, as um, how should I say, least... Um, Conspicuous. Yeah, allowing, you know, the discussion. This is not to mean should that I... Should I come in dressed up as an Arabic woman? <laughs> <laughs> like Ehud Barak in the <laughs> operation. In the My name is Fatma. Yeah. In the nikah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm from Umel Fakhir. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a funny thing, because I, I really tried to blend in. And my Arabic is pretty good, and I would speak to people in Arabic, and they would always address me in Hebrew, and I would, you know, think to myself, you know, how yeah. <laughs> obvious is this? You know, I'm really trying to blend in, and nobody would speak Hebrew, uh, Arabic to me. Maybe so I'm it kind of worked I'm, if you would have worn a burqa. You know, I um, <laughs> somehow they they uh, they can pick you up. They would have picked up, <laughs> even if for you, you really guys try. who aren't watching. Uh, Avi is a is a is a fairly large person, so uh, tall, very tall, so. Yeah. Uh, It would have you would have stood out probably yeah. wearing a burqa. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's a Kickstarter campaign. Yes. Uh, for the book. So if you want to help Avi in his endeavor to publish this fascinating book, uh, we'll put a link and you can go and put some money and get your copy eventually. In Hebrew though. So if you read Hebrew, Well, maybe if you get enough money, you'll translate to English. Well, yeah, the book will come out you know, hopefully two week, two months, and um, I'm hoping it will be successful. I've already sold through the Head Start about 230 or 300 books, so hopefully I'll get to a number that will allow me also to translate it into English um, and uh, perhaps try and you know, market it in a more... lucrative market or a bigger market the Israeli book market is really limited um, maybe in Arabic that's a pretty big book market that's a big question yeah they'll buy it and then they'll burn it <laughs> um, you don't care what they use it for it, <laughs> Just as long like, as they pay for it it's actually not a big market at all because um, it depends on the dialect no um, you know in Israel there are very 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 few books that Um, that sell Arab ah. uh, literature or books. No, I mean, mean the I, Arab I'll let world. you guess. How many books do you think, how many bookshops are there that sell Arab? Arabic books Arabic in books. Israel? How many would you say? 100. I don't know, 50, 60. I found three. <laughs> wow. Uh, in the entire I found, country. I, I found three. Obviously, there are little stationary, um, you know, places where they sell a few books, but... Stimatsky or these type of yeah, book the shops, the big change, or s- shops, very few, one in Jaffa, one in Haifa. Um, it's not a big, it's not a big uh, market at all. Um, in fact, it's a, it's a big issue in the Arab world, reading. Reading 
uh, is a big issue, and it has to do with the literacy rates. As, uh, literacy yeah, rates. The, the professional, the literacy the, the Arabic, Arabic yeah. versus the spoken, spoken. Arabic, yeah, which makes very it hard. far more difficult to. Right. Yeah. Fascinating. So, guys, we'll link. We'll put links. Uh, do you do lectures and stuff like that? Or? Well, I will start. Okay. I so I, I'll we'll leave also contact details, and Excellent. if you want uh, a lecture from Avi about his experience um you can reach out great before we go yes we are sponsored by arutsheva israelnationalnews.com guys check them out they have an english language website israelnationalnews.com they have great content news on israel we appear there so check them out israelnationalnews.com also uh, the australian jewish news check them out ajn.timesofisrael.com for the australian angle on the jewish world Yes, and, and finally, we do this on our free time. So if you want to help us out, go to 2njb.com slash donate. And uh, uh, finally, guys, check out the head start of Avi Shalev. Mm -hmm. Thank we'll you so link. much for joining us. Thank, Thank you. you. It was fascinating. Thank you, guys. Good luck. Bye, guys. Bye.